That's getting into ORD with that. Get a shot for our website. Go out to use a sexy promotional shot Savon has. <laughs> All right, man, you ready? Which I need to update. They're like four years old. From the studio of Rule 29, this is Design Of, a podcast about people and process. I'm Wills Francis. And I'm Justin Aarons. Let's do this. And we are with our good friend, Von Glitchka. Von, welcome to the show. Thank you. Do you know what our show's called, by the way? The Rule 29 Podcast. <laughs> a good guess. That's a good guess. That's a good guess, yeah. No, our, our, pod, our podcast is called Design Of. It's about people and process. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's coming back to you now. Yes. We got to um, that out, though. So you've loved, you loved the first season, I can tell. You <laughs> oh, listened, yeah. You listened to all the episodes? I was riveted. Yeah. Okay, that's great. You've been asking to be on the show for weeks now. And you're finally. This is your time. You're finally able to be on the show. Yes, petitioning. Yeah, I did want to. I just want to um, tell you that now that we have you on the show, you can stop emailing and calling to try to get on it. Um, so it's good. Say that publicly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vaughn is a longtime Rule Twenty Nine friend and collaborator. He's principal of Glitchka Studios, a boutique design firm located in the Pacific Northwest. For my studio, I'm creative director, but. I always like to say illustrative designer. Okay. That kind of defines it. Design-oriented projects with that I tend to approach with a illustrative flair. That's kind of the niche. So Vaughn, uh, the main reason why we wanted to have you uh, on our show is because one of the things I think you are really passionate about, and I see, the, see it from you in, in all aspects of uh, when you promote yourself or when you're doing your work is you're all about process as far as how you approach um, your illustration and your design work and all that sort of thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. So he's a man of few words. <laughs> yes, but he does let his design and illustration do the talking. Take me back. Do you remember the first time you realized that you really liked drawing or like, did you have something that you drew a lot of? Growing up, I, I I remember sitting, when Star Wars came out, you know, I was still in about, I think I was sixth grade at that point, but... Just, I, as, a, just as a side note, sure. Wills wasn't born yet. You and I were, but Wills was not, <laughs> just for everyone. So, anyways, sorry, and, continue. And so, I would listen to the Star Wars talking record, which is just the dialogue for the whole movie, and just draw pictures. You know, me and my friend sitting on our floor drawing pictures, listening to the... Star Wars record. Like any kid who grew up in the 80s. Wills, do you have an idea what I'm talking about? Yeah, the 80s were awesome. <laughs> Vaughn's early creative explorations were devoted to illustrating the finer things in life, like Star Wars villains. What were the sorts of things you drew? Because I love drawing the, the Millennium Falcon. What, what, did, what did you draw? Uh, it'd be Darth Vader. Yeah, so like in sixth grade, like halfway through sixth grade, I... I was known for drawing Darth Vader in seven seconds. So, really? Yeah. And then there was this friend of mine, Brett. He had seen the Star Wars movie. Like, mind you, no, no video at that time or anything online. And he went and saw the movie like forty some times. So, <laughs> yeah, he was a, and and he drew all the time too. But he was one of those kids that pushed way too hard with the pencil so it's like super like it almost embosses the yeah the the drawing 
on the paper, but he could draw TIE fighters really good. But yeah, it was Darth Vader I always drew. Before that, it was always um, Japanese TV when I was really young was just starting to push their cartoons on the American audience. So Speed Racer was one I really liked and um, Marine Boy, which is another somewhat obscure one. Uh, when I was in middle school, it was Star Blazers. And so I always drew those because I liked them. Um, but growing up, I remember a neighborhood kid, his dad subscribed to Mad Magazine, and then he would give his old Classic. ones to his son, and then his son shared one with me, and I was just just enthralled by it. I mean, it had art all in it, and I'd read it, and the humor cracked me up, but it was all subversive, and my parents hated it. They <laughs> <laughs> and so they, I'd tell my mom, hey, can you get me Mad Magazine? No, I'm not buying that. You, <laughs> you don't need to be reading that stuff. It's trash. And, and so I would use my allowance and go down and buy Mad Magazine and just hide it. And so, <laughs> my par- so my parents wouldn't see it. And so other kids in the neighborhood were hiding Playboys. And I was hiding <laughs> Mad Magazine. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that had a huge influence on me. Sergio uh, Aragonas is one of the artists... He's, was he the spy versus spy artist too? No, he's the one that would um, would draw in the margins mm-hmm. all the little battle scenes going on yeah. and stuff. Um, I, I just loved his artwork, so that was a big influence on me. Just to show me that wow, there's people out there who are making money doing artwork. But the first time I kind of locked in and kind of comprehended that there's art can be used for a commercial purpose was. My dad had just bought a new product to polish his car or whatever. It was Armor All. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was right when it came out, and it had that cool little Viking dude on it. And Win the battle against rocks with Armor All protection. Armor All, Armor All, makes your world less rotten. So when I went outside, I was just watching my dad. I picked up the bottle, and I'm looking at it, and I go, that's a cool Viking guy. And then I was kind of thinking, okay, so somebody's doing some kind of artwork, and I wonder about that. That's when I first ever really thought about it from that kind of context. And and then I just knew I didn't want to go to college and do college-level math. <laughs> so, so when the art college visited our high school, that was very attractive to me. So that's how I ended up going to. It was the Burnley School of Art when I went to it, and then they got bought out by the Art Institute and kind of morphed over the two years I was there. So okay. now, what did you? What did your parents do as a profession? Like, what was your mom and dad's? My mom's an artist, so. She would always paint, and she taught painting classes. That's probably where some of my teaching chops come from, is just I used to sit in my mom's class when she taught painting. and Everything from traditional oil painting to... Uh, it's called toll and decorative painting, where somebody, like, just think if you bought an old milk can mm-hmm. and you primed it, and then you would kind of paint folk art on it hmm. my mom's done a lot of that and it's really cool i didn't really appreciate it that much as a kid but um i look at it now and i go it's, it's pretty nice you know so 
my mom drew all the time. My dad, not any kind of creative bone in his body <laughs> to say, but he grew up around it. He, you know, I was creative. He supported me. My mom supported me. And so it's, and, and they've supported my two daughters who both kind of drew. I did a talk a few years ago where I had my dad in the talk and, and I, I'm trying to make the point that anybody can draw. And my dad doesn't draw on a regular basis. So I said, okay, dad, I want you to draw something. And he said, well, I can't draw crap, you know? And I said, that's what I want you to draw, draw crap. And so he drew two little <laughs> dog piles of poop for my presentation. And then, were they good? Yeah, they were great. <laughs> they got a laugh. That's what I wanted. And then um, I took a picture of the back of his head because one Christmas, my daughter asked if she could draw a face on the back of his head with the Sharpie, and he let my daughter do that, so I kind of captured that. That was pretty funny. It's fantastic. Yeah. So what was the, uh, the path like after college? Did you get out and start working as a designer right away? Um. It took me about eight months after I graduated to find a job. Um, at that time, I graduated in 86, and there was um, the economy kind of kind of crashed back then. So it was the economy really sucked. So I had a hard, I knew I needed to find a job because my dad was getting sick of me living at their house. And he said, <laughs> if you don't have a job in like two months, he put a date on it, you know. I'm gonna get you a job at you know where he worked at, and I'm going um, no. <laughs> and so, uh, what did he do? What did he do? He managed uh, the maintenance department for the school district. Okay. So yeah, so during the summer going through art school, he would get me uh, security jobs where I just drew, drove a car from school to school, just screwing around and then of course I'm <laughs> top start, level security yeah. yeah top level security I started doing I remember I was doing donuts at this middle school just because I got bored and I got the car stuck <laughs> <laughs> I had to get out and push it yeah that was fun I forgot all about that actually oh yeah so it took me eight months to find a job and I had a friend who went to art school with me and he moved back to Montana but he wanted to plug back in at Seattle so every Sunday he would call me and I would read the classified ads to him for the, any design stuff was on there. And so I was doing that one night, and I saw this one job, and well, I'm not reading that one to him. I'm going to do that myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I applied. It was for this uh, sportswear company in Seattle. And so I got a job there, and the art department had so about So not only did you not read it, you also got the job. Yeah, I got the yeah. job. And... It, it was it was a great it was a fun job. There's like about 20 people in the art department. As no, as the 20th person in the art department, and then from that point forward, I got all my friends hired. <laughs> Anytime there was an opening, I'd say, "Oh, I know somebody look for a job," and they'd interview them, they'd hire them, and so all my friends ended up working there. And we had all gone to art school together, so it was, it was a little unique in that that sense um i remember one time though when when i went in to do my interview um one of my friends had seen the same classified so we're in the office the art director's looking through my portfolio and she goes well you got the job we shake hands let me show you around so we get up we walk out we're walking through the the lobby area and i look to my right and my friend mark is sitting on the <laughs> on the chair waiting for his interview yeah. <laughs> 
and he he looks at me like, "What are you doing here?" And I go, "Hey, Mark." He kind of waves at me, and I just say, "Good luck." <laughs> <laughs> By the time I got home that night, there's a, a message on my answering machine: "Good luck, my ass." <laughs> okay, so uh, fast forward back to where we were. You're at your first job, and and uh, your first couple jobs, and. And how are you feeling about your career? Like, you, you, we, were you purely designing, illustrating? Um, in the art department, we would, we had clients like Target and J. Jacobs, all these big retailers, and they would actually, we were the type, it was the type of sportswear company where they'd come to us and say, we have a warehouse of 5,000 dozen of this garment, and we need to get rid of it. And so we'd come up with a line to utilize uh, their stock and kind of sell it out. And, That's cool. And so, um, and they would let us figure out what kind of thing we we're going to do. So I came up with a category of designs called the uh, beach logos, and it was just it, it was kind of inspired by uh, uh, crazy shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, they do a lot of that kind of stuff. So. I think the first one I did was Jonah's Beach Club, and it's a surfer, and he's stuck in a whale, and that was the design <laughs> motif. And and, and th- it was just one color, black, on, and at the time it was sofo yellow or green or pink, and yeah. those sold really well. Um, but it, it was a fun job, um, but they, I worked a lot of overtime, never got paid for it, so... <laughs> Yeah, that taught me a lot about what's kosher and what isn't in regards to what an employee um, or employer expects of you. So yeah. it was a it was a good learning experience. So the sport um, screen print obviously is all before anybody is doing anything on the computer. So everything was hand drawn and inked, and you used um, they had. Uh, vacuum tables where we'd shoot the film and process it so so you know what ruby lift is oh yeah all that stuff yeah oh yeah Yeah. we used to take the ruby lift tubes and duct tape them and then have jousting fights in our (laughs) chairs (laughs) it was fun it's a great place to work they i remember one year for christmas they called us down to the to the warehouse they had this meat truck backed into the warehouse you know, the president did his little spiel and then they gave everybody a frozen turkey. Well, all the production had gone home and it was like 3.30, but they wouldn't let the art department go home. So we go back upstairs to the art department, we have frozen turkeys. We're like, what the hell do we do with our turkey? <laughs> and so of course we start messing around with them. We start uh, doing uh, curling down the hall yeah, with them. That's fantastic, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd say my next favorite job was I worked at Upper Deck. Yeah, that was growing up. I collected trading cards, so it was kind of coming full circle. And I started there in '97 and worked there uh, almost till the very end of uh, 2000. And I was on their well, I started on their baseball team and did all the Major League Baseball product lines. But I went from a really small boutique design firm in Oregon where I was just one of their staff, um, senior designers, 
and we were expected to do everything, tight deadlines, really fast turnarounds. And then I go to this art department at Upper Deck and they have these master schedules printed out on 11 by 17 Excel files. And, and it's like a rollout plan. It gives you two months of when you have to hit your dates. And, and I kind of like that, but they were really slow. It's like I could get an entire set done in a week, and the other I, it's just how fast I worked. I wasn't like accelerating anything, and so because of that, they started. Okay, you're done with baseball. Okay, work on basketball and football and hockey, and then they give me, I get um, like special assignments and stuff. The owner owned a Learjet company, so I ended up doing his ad campaign one year because of that. So. Did you get any Learjet? <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, that'd be fun. No, but I did get, they bought a Babe Ruth bat at Sotheby's for 25000 and then they were going to cut it up, and so I made sure we did a photo shoot to document the piece of history, and I, I wanted to use it on the back of the card, so when somebody got a card with a piece of the Babe Ruth bat, they'd see the actual bat it came from, but... That was fun because I got to design that. It was like the first in the industry, and the VP liked it so much he gave me one. And that's oh come on, yeah. So that's in my office still. I still have that. Did you do any other Babe Ruth projects or any other celebrity type? Yeah, we there's um, we did what were called signature cards, and so we would take historical signatures, real signatures. But obviously the people have been dead for 40, 50 years. So we, like for Babe Ruth, we contacted uh, the people that manage his estate and we purchased uh, 200 canceled checks or 250 canceled checks from his estate. And I remember when those showed up, they showed up in a Ziploc, uh, they were in a Ziploc bag in a FedEx envelope. And we just sat around the desk, me and three or four other guys just going through the checks. It was like day in the life of Babe Ruth. So, you know, a dollar, five cents for a hot dog and two beers. And just seeing, or just some nebulous check he wrote to some individual. But the, the one that stood out to me, it was $327.48. And it was for the Park City Liquor Store in New York City. <laughs> He bought out the store. Yeah, right back then. That's, for sure. that's back in the early 20s. So, yeah, that bought a lot of booze, I'm sure. <laughs> Von's almost obsessive focus on process and refining his craft has taken him to stages and projects around the world. He's a high demand conference speaker and is regularly hired to collaborate on creating and evolving some of the most recognizable brands in the world. Over the years, there's been a, f a few projects where somebody would ask, usually it's somebody who's not plugged in our industry and they find out what I do and they go, well, what's something you've done that I've seen? And usually I have something of a marquee status I can point to. The one right now would be the Dungeons and Dragons logo. So um, growing up, I played that when it first came out and then their creative director contacted me a couple years ago and, and it started with branding rebranding the their their parent mark for that that uh, product line and then it was going to roll into all the iconography for the game and 
I got the logo done and then Hasbro came in and fired their whole creative staff at Wizards of the Coast. Oh, no. Um, they still use the logo, but I never did get to do the iconography. So you're still somewhat king of nerddom. <laughs> somewhat, yeah. <laughs> Anytime a friend of mine, I have a couple of comic book artist friends and they go to comic book conventions and have booths where they sell their art and they're always sending me pictures of people wearing the the D&D logo, so that's kind of cool. What are some other ones that... Um, uh, this goes back about three or four years. I I did all the packaging for Orbit Gum at that time, and all the graphics on it were just made up of dots. And I was kind of excited about that. Uh, apparently, whoever was doing the dots decided they didn't want to do it anymore, so they gave it all to me and I did it for them and then they never told me when they got rolled out and I was at a grocery store one day and I saw the <laughs> package out that's my designs you know and so I grabbed like 12 packs of gum I'm, I'm buying it and I put it down the lady's looking at me why are you buying so much gum I go I did the artwork on there I was all excited she picks one up looks at it you mean the dots <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> like, totally unemotional, and I'm like, yes, the dots. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, lady. Did you work, or were you on one of the pitches for the Wendy's logo? Yeah, I worked with a, a company out of San Francisco on that. Um, I developed, I developed like, three or four Wendy iterations for them, but they ended up... It, I don't think Wendy's wanted to wholesale change the character mm. so they ended up just updating the kind of same look and feel but just improving it i like what they did i don't buy the whole the hidden mom in it i just think that yeah. was a happenstance you know because that wasn't in any of the creative briefs it's funny i told my kids that you're working on that so every time they go by wendy's they still think it's your logo so at least they think you did it <laughs> no not my <laughs> not my logo that, that's that's the thing is a lot of the projects I work on, a lot of it is exploratory. So I'm part of the process to help them move a project to get it to a point where they decide to go. Sometimes that's the direction I do, but a lot of times it isn't. So, so one of the <clears throat> ways that we connect every year is um, we get to see each other at conferences and, and sometimes we'll speak at the same conference, which is great. And, uh, but I know you're doing a lot of other things now. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, this goes back 2012. Um, I was approached by lynda.com and right at the time I had a publisher wanting me to do a book and their contract was sitting on my desk and I was like going, I really don't want to get in the middle of a book again. It's just... It's fun when it's done. It's a nightmare when you're working on it. And so as soon as Linda offered to do something, I just thought the format was would be a lot more enjoyable and engaging. So I turned the contract down on the book and uh, started developing content for Linda. And it's, it's design. I call it skill-based design content. So whether it's talking about logo design or... Uh, just building vector graphics of any variety. Um, 
I just basically document my creative process and and do it in a way where others can kind of sit in on the process and learn from it. And it's it's been a lot of fun. I, I I enjoy it just because it's like a mini vacation. I get to go to California. They put me up in a hotel, you know, and they just record me doing stuff. I. I would do whether somebody paid me to do it or not. So <laughs> sounds like a dream, right? Yeah, it's kind of nice. Um, and and the fun part about it that I never thought about beforehand was uh, some of the people I get to meet. So I've um, I've been emailed out of the blue by it, it can be somebody young who's just starting out and, and but getting an email where they say I learned more from going through your course than I did going through the design program at the college I graduated from. And that, that it makes me feel good. And then on the other hand, I feel sorry for him. You know? But um, there, and there's other ones where it's like some guy who got injured on the job and um, he needed to be retrained for a new career. And he always wanted to do artwork, but he just happened to grow up in a time period where uh, his dad said, you need to get a real job. And so he never pursued it. So now he is. And uh, I get an email from him. And he's just thanking me because it's helped him to understand what it's going to take to do it. And so it's that kind of stuff that's kind of cool. It's fun. I enjoy it. That's fantastic. So do you, do you draw every day, you think? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Not, you know, not as much as my daughter. Um, she draws all the time. And... Uh, so much so that she's building a following within um, kind of the manga art community. And so she goes to these little Comic-Con conventions with her friend Jenna, who has an online comic that's really popular. And they have... What's a, that called? Let's give her some promotion. Oh, I, you know what? Okay, we'll put it in the, in the post of the show. In the show, show notes. Yeah, yeah. It'll be in the show notes, but... <laughs> They have their own art booth and they set it up and go to these cons and she gets all of her prints done by uh, an online printer out in New York and she sells them. So she's doing, she's really good. I look at her when I was her age and she's better than I was. So she's going to be better than me when she's my age. She's And she's smarter. She's just a lot smarter than I was at that age. So, yeah. <laughs> Seems like all, all of our kids at some level are that way. So we will definitely, <clears throat> in our show notes, put a link to your Linda um, classes. And also, I know you've got a lot of great uh, books out there. Um, yeah, I have a whole book. Everything I teach in my Linda class um, is pretty much summarized in my book. So Vector Basic Training, second edition. And all my Linda stuff, you just go to drawingvectorgraphics.com, and they'll show you everything I do in Linda. Fantastic. Yeah. So I, I do want to um, end with this, and that is, um, as we've been able to get to know each other, I also realize that you are a big softy, you have a big heart, and uh, you went with um, me and a team to Africa. Yeah. Jeez, uh, how long ago was that now? Five years ago? 2010. 2010, yeah, six years ago. So six years passed now for, since, we, since we went. Um, what was that experience like for you? Did you? Is there anything that you still carry from that experience? Oh yeah, that was a that was an eye opener. Um, other than the the culture shock, 
Um, it was a great experience. Just you know, uh, the whole name of the the documentary you guys did. This is not my normal. So kind of stepping out of my normal into somebody else's and experience life from their perspective. It really does open up. I think travel in general does that. It kind of tends to open up how you view the world. And in this case, in regards to the work you're doing for um, life in abundance, and now you're doing it for life water too. Um, I don't know. I appreciate everything you do because it's definitely impacted me and I know when I came back from that trip, I was motivated to kind of plug in at least locally on some level. And so me and my wife and now my youngest daughter, um, there's a, a group that we call Under the Bridge. So every third Thursday of every uh, month, we're like feeding the homeless under the bridge. Wow. So that's been really cool. We enjoy it. Gets a little crazy at times, but that's sure. part of the fun. <laughs> I remember uh, uh, in Africa, you had brought a bunch of like um, sharpies and uh, like little um, little pads, little notepads. Yeah, and you uh, drew little sketches for the kids. That was awesome. Yeah, and just seeing the kids draw, you know, they say, "What? What do I draw? I just draw anything you want." And I remember this little eight-year-old Dennis. He drew this smoking cool like sports car and it was in perspective and it was just really well done and i was just blown away here's this little kid hanging out in the slums in nairobi kenya and and he knows what a cool sports car looks like (laughs) so i think kids are pretty much the nice thing about kids is i can go to a group of kids like that hand them all these creative supplies and just say be creative and there's no hesitation or, or encumbrances or they're not second-guessing themselves or worrying about what other people think. But you go into a group of adults and you do the same thing and they're, oh, like, you get every excuse why they can't do it. So that's kind of what I'm doing now is I'm trying to uh, tell older people that, you know, they can do, they can do creative things they don't have to worry about getting hung up on how good they are at it so that comes with time i love it i want to talk with you today about creativity uh, more specifically um, why it's hard to generate those clever problem-solving ideas that we tend to associate with creativity in other words i want to kind of help you make those eureka moments um, more sustainable. I'm sure you cover this a good deal in your Linda um, videos, but I just want to hear a little bit about how you sit down and approach a project. Is there some type of process that you run through? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty systematic with how I approach anything, and regardless of the project type, whether it's... Um, there are certain things I don't do a whole lot of, just because, one, I don't enjoy it, but um, I just don't do a whole lot of it. Like publication design would be one of them. Every now and a once in a blue moon, I'll do something like that. But whether it's a logo design or iconography or a character illustration, editorial, 
or anything like that. It all starts, everything starts in analog. So I almost always try to draw everything out. Um, there's some exceptions to the rules like iconography. You don't have to be so precise since a lot of times you're dealing with geometric shapes. Mm -hmm. So you don't need to draw a perfect circle or square because you can build them perfect. You just need to capture the essence of the idea in a drawn form. So um, all of those projects, regardless of what specific genre you're talking about, um, I kind of have the same the same stages. And the first stage is just research, gathering, collecting information, following it up with any questions I may have that, you know, I'll read their input on whatever I initially give them, be it a client, and then I'll follow it up with more questions to kind of push them more and to get more information. Um, I'd rather have too much information than not enough. Mm -hmm. um, I can choose to weed out what I don't think needs to apply, but it's hard to um, create when you have a vacuum and, and you're, you're not sure if this is on target. So information, once I gather the information, I like to do what I call slow boiling, which is I just sit on it and think about it and um, let it process. And then once I get to a certain point, that's when I start sketching. And that's when I start working out ideas. And then from there, it's kind of isolating a selection of ideas or I think are the strongest ones and building out what I call close to final comps um, and I a lot of I have a few friends who still work in black and white only whether it, specifically if it's a logo um, I don't bother with that I do everything in color show it to them how I see it living and existing and then usually from that point it goes pretty fast and so we'll refine it, work out all the final assets, uh, set everything up. And if there's other components after the identity's done, um, you know, promotional pieces or print collateral, we'll start rolling those out and figuring out that. And that kind of reboots the process. Once again, we'll make sure we gather information. So um, I do that just because it helps me to I know where we're at on any given project based off of the stage we're at, so I can gauge how much longer it's probably going to be. Um, so I try to systematize it. It doesn't always work that way, but I try to at least. I've seen you pull some crazy <laughs> quick turnarounds. Well, I don't know if I call it workaholic or I just focus better when there's absolutely no distractions. <laughs> like 2 a.m. Yeah, so, so I'm at a creative peak very late at night because I can zone out. I'm not getting interrupted. Um, no phone calls, usually no emails. So, um, except from us. Yeah. So it's, it, it's good. And I know it's a bad habit of sorts, but like for instance, on, on Monday nights, my wife is getting ready to watch Downton Abbey with my two daughters. I'm like, I'm out of here. Right. And I'm in my studio. <laughs> you, you can do that. I'd rather go work on stuff. So, yeah. Well, I, I, I think you're also a maker 
as long as I've known you, you're always kind of working on something. There's an idea in your head, just fighting to get out and you, and you give it that opportunity. And so that's one thing I really admire about you. You create yeah. space for that. Yeah. I think that's important. Uh, client projects are great and they pay the bills, but I still pursue things on my own. And when I can, I try to turn them into paying gigs. So mm-hmm. I was just one quick story. I was, I was just thinking about the zone, like we were talking about, getting in the zone. And and I've tried to explain to my wife over the years that, look, if I get interrupted, <laughs> the reason why that frustrates me is because it takes me this much more time to get back in the zone. And so um, she, she hasn't always... She understands it now. She didn't understand it earlier. <laughs> well, I decide, you know what? I've never really done an illustration of like what being in the zone is like. So I did this poster. I decided to do a poster with it. And um, I had a lot of fun with it. I used some scatter brushes I created in Illustrator. I'd never done that before. And so I'm going, wait a minute, I'm just doing this for fun. But I just contacted a friend of mine at Adobe who runs their Create Magazine and said, hey, you want a tutorial on on using scatter brushes? And, you'll do that? And I go, sure, I'll do it. And and so I was able to sell a tutorial. I already had the art done. I just, <laughs> I just deconstructed it. And then I turned around and made a product out of the brushes. And my friend runs a creative market site. So he's going to sell the brushes for me. So cool. So anytime I do something, I, I try to, if it's appropriate, and it isn't always, I'll turn it around and, you know, try to, try to pay my bills with it so <laughs> yeah well Vaughn thank you for being uh, on our show and uh, I know you'll probably re- listen to season one all over again because it was so <laughs> oh, uh, yes. fantastic and Absolutely. Um, and so thanks a lot for uh, being on our show thank you for having me appreciate it one of my favorite parts of Vaughn that we didn't get to hear in the interview have you seen this the Twitter stuff? Yeah, it's <laughs> it makes me happy. Vaughn has a habit of attacking Adobe, Apple, and other tech companies for some type of like glitch or flaw in their systems. Oh, and also any conspiracy theory. He's he, uh, he's all over. <laughs> it is so funny because he's such a meek and mild guy, but you can watch him argue with their tech teams and it's well worth a follow. Check Vaughn out on Twitter at Vonster, that's V-O-N-S-T-E-R, and his website, Glitchka Studios. I'm going to spell that one out, too, because Glitchka is a doozy. G-L-I-T-S-C-H-K-A-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. We'll also have a ton of downloadable materials from Vaughn on our website in the show notes. Thanks for your time, Vaughn. Keep killing it. Big thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Inkdot.com. Inkdot enables you to print your favorite memories from your phone, computer, or Instagram on a range of materials such as aluminum, wood, pillows, phone cases, and more. Check them out at inkdot.com. Inkdot, a better way to print. And a big thanks to Rule29 for giving us the space and resources to create this show. We also want to thank our audio engineer, Steve Wick. You know, Justin, he's like that moment when your entire class finally realizes that you can draw the Star Wars characters better than Brett. Brett's the worst. Laugh it up, fuzzball. We have a few more episodes to share before the end of season two. Keep up with all things Design Of by following us on Twitter at Design Of Podcast or check out our website, designofpodcast.com. Please don't forget to rate us on iTunes. It helps. 
And that's it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you in a few weeks. Hey, Wills, I forgot to uh, mention this, that uh, Vaughn wanted to share just one more insight to all of our listeners. Uh, I'm sweaty. <laughs> <laughs>